It's the TH Podcast, episode number 204, with Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com and Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. This week, encryption backdoors, iPhone annoyances, CarPlay, and cameras. Hey, Gary, how's it going? How's life in Denver these days? Pretty good. I mean, for once, it's actually, you know, sunny and dry and warm like it's supposed to be. Well, uh, Seattle is living up to its reputation. We've had two and a quarter inches of rain in the last week, less than Perfect. a week. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, hey. and if I understand it right, that's actually more rain than we've gotten for most of the summer. So we're making up for some lost time there. Uh, okay. But yes, it's uh, it's wet outside, and of course, you know that the corgis are real close to the ground, so they come in kind of soaked. <laughs> they're 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 very spongy. So. Yeah. No, I definitely get that. I. Uh... Yeah, uh, e even when they're not close to the ground, the paws, you know, in the mud. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, and sometimes you have to go in the mud too because that's where they want to go. Exactly, <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, yeah. so um, a couple of, you know, just some random stuff this week. I ran across an article uh, today, actually, uh, quote, Meredith Whitaker reaffirms that Signal would leave the UK if forced by a privacy bill. Hmm. Now, the privacy bill they're talking about actually touches on a topic that's been discussed and argued about, gosh, for several years now, I think. And it's this whole concept of having backdoors in encryption. Um, the concept is that um, generally governments don't like it when uh, individuals can communicate in a way that can't be wiretapped, that can't be yeah. examined somehow after the fact. Encryption, of course, breaks that. Um, you know, the only, you, you cannot, you can intercept all the encryption you want. You just can't make any sense of it because, well, it's encrypted. Um, so what the government has been asking for, or several governments have been asking for, is a way to break that. Essentially, a way to uh, set things up, construct things so that uh, for any encrypted communication, if the government had sufficient reason, where, of course, that is as yet undefined, they could force or require the contents of the encrypted communication to be exposed. A backdoor. To, to them, of course. So it's a backdoor yeah. most of the time. That's usually what folks consider to be um, the, uh, uh, the approach. The issue with the backdoor, of course, is that uh, technologically, I'm not sure a backdoor is even possible. And I say that because all of the encryption algorithms that we use today uh, rely on one, well, either of two things, right? Either you have you know, a single encryption key uh -huh. that um, you use to encrypt your communication and, there's, and the recipient then uses to decrypt the communication. Um, you know, standard tools like Zip and others use this. Or it's a public key infrastructure where there's a key that um, encrypts the data and a different key that decrypts the data. But there's no way to have like a third key or a key in the middle that, you know, would allow the data to be encrypted by either, um, you know, the keys belonging to the people having the conversation mm -hmm. or this other quote unquote master key. Um, the encryption algorithms to date don't support anything like that. Now I say to date, I have no idea if it is even conceptually possible to come up with an encryption algorithm that would allow you to have like a master key or a backdoor key or something like that. So besides the um, the privacy implications, which of course is the stance that Signal is taking, um, they're saying, hey, our app exists to provide secure communications. Mm -hmm. If you are going to force us to not be able to do that by whatever mechanism, we're leaving, we're out of town. We're, we're just not gonna provide our services to the jurisdictions yeah. that um, enforce that, which again, it's a great moral stand. I agree with it completely. Um, I, I have issues with the government wanting backdoors. The, the issue with the backdoor, of course, is that, well, if the government has a backdoor, what's to prevent the backdoor to from quote unquote leaking, right? You know, falling into the wrong hands. Right. That's the, that's a big problem. Um, so there's that. Uh, the, the, from a more pragmatic standpoint, um, even if the law were the law, if the, if the, uh, back door were required, I still don't know how you enforce it huh. because 
you know, if if encryption is outlawed, only outlaws will have encryption. And what that means, of course, is that they're going to keep using the kinds of encryption that don't have a backdoor. They may not use Signal or they may not use Telegram or they may not use whatever other technologies that may or may not end up caving to this law. They're going to do something else. There's plenty of different ways to encrypt something in a way that doesn't have a backdoor and then still transmit that to someone else. Yeah, so I, I see that. But not only is the technology, in my opinion, unworkable, mm -hmm. um, but it's also impractical. It's it's kind of a right. fool's errand to try and make this happen. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Now, I'm, I'm no way advocating the government's position of this, right? They shouldn't be trying to put backdoors in or any of that or messing with encryption or whatever. Right. But I think what they're going for here is not the whole like only, you know, if you outlaw encryption, only outlaws will have encryption, that kind of thing. It's the fact that so many crimes and, and terrorism are committed by people that don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> and they leave a trail, right? Like right. There's, there's so much that goes on. And you hear that uh, the guy just posted on his Facebook page about it or, <laughs> you know, left tons of evidence that, you know, there or use this communication method or that communication method or whatever. So, you know, the idea is that if, um, if you know, the more they have, uh, you know, they may not be able to solve 100% of the crimes or maybe prevent 100% of, of what they're trying to prevent, but they'll be able to, you know, have that number be higher than if companies like Signal can just go ahead and just, you know, encrypt everything and and then just sell their stuff to be, hey, our stuff's encrypted. Oh, let's use that. Okay. Um, now, it's still no excuse for it, but I think that's what they're going for is like not per a perfect solution. But like if they could at least get the legitimate companies, the ones that actually want to sell their goods and services and have tax accounts and, you know, all that stuff and offices and all, uh, then they then they have something. So that's that's what they're trying to do. But I guess I guess I mean, yeah, but, I mean, but it's my, still my, not, you know, my, yeah, my point is that, you know, people that are using Signal in the UK yeah. are going to keep using Signal in the UK. Um, you well, know, well, but what if they can't? I mean, that's how, the thing. How would they not be able to? I mean, I could certainly see that, you know, Signal won't be available I, in, the, I, in the App Store, yeah, right? Exactly, which is, that's it, exactly. So the thing is, it's like any other app system, whether it's social media or communications. Um, if you've got a group of people and you want to say, hey, let's choose Signal as our app that we're going to communicate with. <laughs> and out of your 30 people, you know, 20 of them are like, I can't seem to get it. I can't figure out how to get it because I'm in the UK and it's a pain in the butt. So then you go, oh, all right, we'll use this other thing because it's a pain. So you just don't go with it. Now, it doesn't mean like, as you said, you know, in outlaws, you know, a group of three people up to no good are still going to all tell each other how to go and get around this. Or right. they're just probably going to use some other, they're just going to use some other system that, you know, isn't restricted, like some sort of web-based uh, thing or something that's not distributed through an app store or whatever, but you know, there's like, so it's still get around it. But for, you know, again, those people that aren't that smart with this and will just use signal <laughs> or, but, well, that signal would use an alternative that does have a backdoor that th that's what they're hoping for. And they will get some, I mean, there's a, there's a slice of people that will, you know, just go with whatever they've got and not worry about encryption. And then that is used as evidence against them, against them and get caught. And there's a slice of people that will go and say, no, we're going to use this thing and it's complex and we're going to figure it out. Um, but the people that aren't smart enough to work around the restriction yeah. are the same people that are posting on Facebook or leaving other yeah. stupid, stupid well, clues. No, so it's not really, it's not really that huge of an no, improvement. I think they're levels. I mean, they're levels of people thinking they're clever, you know, of thinking that they're like, Oh, I yeah, posting on Facebook's a bad idea, but here's an app that is supposed to be secure. And, you know, and you don't read the footnote that, you know, the government has access to this or whatever. Right. Um, and so they go and they say, uh, you know, well, we use that, you know, so they think they're being a little, little more, you hear about this all the time, people, you know, not terrorists, but people just doing stupid, dumb crimes or things and posting about it in some way they think was clever. Right. Right. And, you know, not, uh, not realizing that they, that it wasn't that clever enough. 
So, but none of this gets around the whole key issue which you brought up, which is that if you build a backdoor into it, then somebody's going to get in that backdoor that shouldn't be. It's not just going to be the government getting in the backdoor. Well, it, even it, if it is the government, this. there are, there are lots of yeah. concerns that it will be used for something other than what it's being proposed for right now. Rather than using it for um, right. crime, they could be using it to monitor other things. Sure. Uh, my, my suspicion is that when forced to do so, uh, conversations using these technologies will no longer be end-to-end -end encrypted. They'll be encrypted to a central point, decrypted, yeah. logged, or you know, at least made available for logging if need be, and then re-encrypted and sent on to the end. And now, to be fair, that's the way a lot of services used to work. Um, and a lot of them have made strides to actually do true end-to-end -end encryption. But, um, you know, having a man in the middle that can monitor what you're doing is way basically what the government is asking for, and then asking for access to that. My, my take also is that, you know, a lot of this is unnecessary. I agree. I agree. Doing this gets you an additional percentage, right, mm -hmm. um, of, of uh, you know, criminals or, or whatever it is you're looking for. But honestly, they don't need it. They, they, they don't necessarily need that level of, of detail. Let's face it. It's not encrypted on the device when mm -hmm. you send it, and it's decrypted on the recipient's device. Those are two other points of access. Mm -hmm. And we've certainly heard of uh, malware or spyware being installed either, um, you know, accidentally, you know, by two, um, uh, you know, by criminals, but by governments targeting mm -hmm. individuals. And it seems like that is just as, as useful as and and significantly less controversial than forcing this fundamental break to something that is so incredibly important to so many people uh, worldwide. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't need to list it off, but I will. You know, folks like um, embedded reporters that need to be able to communicate out of co uh, controversial areas need to be mm. able to do so yes. securely. Um, you know, people who are suffering from abuse need to be able to communicate. Uh, securely. There are so many very valid reasons that this kind of end-to-end -end encryption really needs to exist, that breaking it because the because law enforcement can't, you know, to, wants to get a higher percentage, it just doesn't seem right. Um, so anyway, I just thought that Signal was making a a, a very good stand. Yeah. I'm I'm I support them 100 percent um, I do. I do have signal. I mean, I'm. In, I. I don't communicate anything that's super sensitive, but I do have signal. But I also have, you know, Telegram and WhatsApp, because as you said earlier, um, you know, you use the app that the other folks use. In our case, specifically, because we are the techies in our circles, usually, um, it's more like, okay, yeah, whatever you're using, I'll figure out how to use it because that's the way I am. So yes, I have too many. Uh, messaging clients, but it's because I have different people on different clients, and that's just fine. Um, but yeah, if it ever comes down to something that is truly, truly important to be secure, I would be very, very um, uh, tempted to uh, to use something like Signal. It, there's also some question as to just exactly how secure Telegram is. I've seen arguments both directions. Um, and uh, WhatsApp being owned by Meta slash Facebook, mm. uh, they claim end-to-end -end, um, uh, encryption for some conversations. I think you actually have to turn it on specifically, but it's a Meta, and you know there's a, there's a whole trust issue that goes on with respect to anything that's provided by Meta. Yep, and um, Signal's not the only one uh, not happy with the UK government. Uh, Apple. There's a story from earlier this summer. Uh, Apple says that if it comes down to it, they will kill iMessage and FaceTime in the UK um, rather than uh, allow a backdoor. Right. Right. So when that's that now signals, uh, you know, we a lot of people probably know signal, right? But it's not a giant. Right. Yeah. Right. FaceTime probably isn't a giant either when it comes down to it, really. But iMessage is. iMessage is big. I mean, 
And, you know, so it's not going to be, you know, if Signal does it and they were the only ones, um, you know, it'll be some headlines and that's about it. But uh, if Apple says, nope, no more iMessage, no more FaceTime for people in the UK, uh, then, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. A lot of consumers will feel that then. Yeah, including members of government. <laughs> Definitely. Because I'm sure Absolutely. that a lot of them are on, on that too. Um, so what's interesting is that my understanding is that the law is in fact in effect, that the mm. law is in place. It, it took effect at some point. Um, and I suspect that these threats uh, from Apple and from Signal and so forth uh, will reach some point where you know they will be challenged by the government potentially to provide yeah. the back door for a specific conversation they'll say nope not going to happen and as a result like you say close everything down so anyway uh, interesting uh, it is it is an interesting one to watch it is a controversial issue um you know like i said my my position is pretty clear but um it'll be interesting to see where it goes i know that the same kind of legislation has tried to get bubbled up um, in the united states uh -huh. it's been defeated every time so far um, you know, politics here are so crazy, it wouldn't surprise me at all if at some point in years to come, um, it bubbled up and made itself, uh, you know, it became law or became something close to law. Uh, so we'll see. It's worth watching. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah. So uh, for me, uh, let's see, I got a lot going on because, of course, uh, we're recording this on the day that macOS Sonoma has been released. So that's my big thing. But in addition to that, of course, Apple released uh, the new iPhones. And I happened to get mine on Friday. I was lucky enough to <laughs> get in line early enough, virtual line, uh, to actually grab it um, and then pick it up in the store on Friday. So I have in my hands my brand new iPhone 15 Pro Max. Is that like the top of the line? Everything? That's the top of the line biggest screen. Yeah, okay. that's the. Okay. It, it well, it came down to the fact that I I know I wanted one of the pro models, right? To have at least a telephoto lens. They each have different telephoto lenses, and one's got a the the pro comes the base model with 100, 128 gigs of uh, storage which would be difficult for me to use. I mean, it's it's about what I use now, so it's not very future-proofed for me. Okay. So to get the upgraded, you know, one level up in terms of storage brings it within $100 of getting the base level max, which already comes with 256 gigs of storage. So it was basically $100, I get a bigger screen and a better telephoto lens and a bigger battery. It was kind of a no-brainer, although I, I would rather it be a smaller iPhone in my pocket. I... Uh, it's fine. I, I'll enjoy the big screen and make it easier to read as my sure. eyes get older. Um, but I unexpectedly uh, found myself kind of hating it. <laughs> uh, not for reasons of like, oh, it's too big or, you know, uh, something like that. But I ran into three issues right away. And people are surprised to hear, you know, I'm a cheerleader, right? I'm supposed to be like, it's great. Oh, no, those are no problem. But right away, there are three issues that actually have me contemplating returning. Wow. Okay. Now, <laughs> to be sure, it's not going to kill me to keep it, right? It's not going to be like, oh, this is unusable. It's just that one in particular, the third one, that one really gets me. So let's go through these three issues. Um First is that this is the first iPhone I've had that has what's called the always on feature. Now the iPhone 14 Pro had this, but I had an iPhone 13 Pro and I stuck with it. And I really wanted the always on feature because and I think I've talked about this before in years past on this show that um, I want to get rid of my dumb alarm clock that sits on my nightstand, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've gone through a series of them. I, I just don't want it. It's like I have all this amazing technology sitting right next to it. And all this clock does is take up space and tell me the time in right. three to four <laughs> digits. I mean, it's like the dumbest thing. So 
I'd like to get rid of it. But unfortunately, of course, older iPhones don't have an always on thing. So you put it on the charging stand and after a couple of minutes, it locks and the screen turns off. So you wake up in the middle of the night, no idea what time it is if all you've got is that. You have to reach out and kind of tap the screen with your finger and then it kind of wakes up halfway on the lock screen and shows you the time. Uh, the Apple Watch too, that's very frustrating. You can have that. I mean, that's main purpose is to tell you the time. And yet if it sits on the charging stand facing you, it's got power and everything, and it still won't stay always on. You have to reach over and touch it or tap somewhere near it to make it vibrate enough so that it will turn on. Very frustrating to have two superior pieces of technology sitting there telling me nothing. <laughs> and people say, oh, you know, it's easy. Just reach over to the phone or whatever. It's like, no, you make up at four in the morning. You open one eye halfway. <laughs> And you want to know, is this is it 10 minutes before I'm supposed to get up? Because if that's the case, start getting up. Right. Or is it 4 a.m. and then try to do everything you can not to disturb yourself so you fall back to sleep, it's, right? It's worse if you have to unlock the phone to see anything, too. Yeah, well, no, you don't have to unlock. You never have you to don't. unlock to see the okay. time. But okay. So I was looking forward to the fact that I'd, I'd missed out on the iPhone 14 Pro, and now I finally had the 15 Pro, the always-on feature. Okay. And I find it's a lie. Always on is not always on. It isn't. It's more on, more often on. It could be even, uh, you know, just uh, you could say often on or tries to be on a lot. <laughs> I don't know. It's not always. Always is the wrong word. Maybe even persistently on, as in you could be persistent, but still kind of not be doing it always. Uh, the deal with it is, is that you put it on the nightstand. It has this great, by the way, iOS 17 has this great mode where you turn your iPhone horizontally, put it on the charger, like a MagSafe charger, right. and it now shows you a beautiful clock face, maybe the temperature. You can customize it. It looks like a clock should look on right. your nightstand. Right. And coupled with always on, should be perfect. It even will dim itself and go red, huh. monochrome red, if it detects that it's dark. Perfect. Except that after a while, some point, 10 minutes, half an hour, it turns the screen off. Why? I don't know. But if you read the the things, it still says, we'll still turn screen off to save battery power or something like that. I'm like, what? No, I want the switch for always on to mean always, always on. <laughs> and it's not the case. Now, it does do something kind of nice is that the camera is actually doing something, right? If you actually wave your hand in front of it, it will turn on. But you still have to wave your hand, okay, which is like yeah. not what I want. I want it to be always on, just always on. So I'm really disappointed in that. And I just can't believe they're, I mean, they're still not getting so, it. So, so I am shocked that this is an issue. Yeah. Um, and I say that only because um, I guess I've had this feature and used it heavily. Yeah, on my on my Android phones for years. Yeah, I know um, it's been it, there. It requires a you know typically it requires an app, right? Oh, and okay. indeed, when I travel, I have an app called Giant Clock, mm -hmm. and it does exactly what you just described. You you know, I, obviously you've got your phone plugged in. In my case, I don't use um, uh, wireless charging. I have my phone plugged in next to my bed. Um, the digits are nice and big. You know, mm -hmm. they're as big as my screen. And if it's plugged in and if I have the option set, it stays always on. Mm. And you can dim it and make it brighter and all that kind of stuff. But that's what I use when I travel because, yeah. let's face it, I don't trust hotel clocks. I don't trust other clocks. I trust my phone. Oh. And uh, and it's there with me. So I'm, like I said, I'm I'm shocked um, yeah. that this hasn't, hasn't been a thing already yeah. for a long time. So it's disappointing, but but returning it and going back to my iPhone 13 Pro, that would not help the situation. Would not solve the so, problem. Yes, would not yes, solve yes. the problem. So that's <laughs> all right. So I'm not returning it. The second thing is small, but still annoying. So a big new feature of the iPhone 15 Pro is the action button. That's right. A big feature is the fact that there's a new button, physical button on the phone. It's <laughs> right. kind of ridiculous when you think about it, right? But yet it's still useful. It's one of those things where people, some people are really excited about it and other people roll their eyes at them saying how ridiculous it is that you're excited about a button on the side of your phone. And then there's people like me that will be like, yeah, that is ridiculous, uh, but it's still kind of useful. <laughs> so the thing with the action button on the side 
is that you can customize it. And you can customize it to do all sorts of things. Matter of fact, I was just working on a video today that'll be out eventually that goes into all the things you can do to customize it. You can actually use shortcuts, which is the automation tool, mm -hmm. write shortcuts that actually do things. So it goes to the point where you can't even number. It's like infinite number of things that you can do sure. because there's so many things that you can do with the button because you just tie it to a shortcut. The thing that bugs me about it is action button. You think uh, simple press of this button and it springs into action. But no, to prevent you from accidentally triggering it, you actually have to press and hold it for, I don't know, it's like a half a second, a whole second, some annoying amount of time that's not quite like hold and wait, but it's not a press, like you would press a key on a right. keyboard. And that's kind of annoying because I feel like that should be a setting. Like, okay, if do the default as hold for one second. <laughs> Give me the option to be a two or three seconds or off, or let me have it be zero seconds. A full press at any speed will actually, it'll actually spring into action and even I, allow I, me to customize it. You know, yeah, and, I, I'd vote for double tap, to be honest. Oh, yes. And there's uh, some people that have talked about the fact that, oh, it's annoying that there isn't a double or even triple press, sure. but uh, also pointing out that really there's no hardware restriction on that. And it's probably like, let's see what people screw up <laughs> by using the one press first before we add like more options. So hopefully it's something in the future that there will be like a double press, but it is annoying that it's like action, but you named it the action button and it feels like the wait a second button. <laughs> You know, <laughs> not action. Like if action, action man was like, I'll be there soon, you know, it wouldn't be action man. Right. So that's, that's annoying. So again, not like a return the phone thing, but it's like, man, why did they do this? Give me a setting. Cause if I, if I, I would even use the setting, if I got the phone, say I was going somewhere where uh, there were animals, whether it be a yard full of corgis <laughs> or right. a zoo or a wildlife safari or whatever. And I wanted to use it as the take a photo button. Um, I would love to, at that point, switch it from the one second to the zero second. Yes. Right. And click, click, click away. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of annoying. Now, the third thing that annoys me is actually a technical problem with it. Um, so you know what CarPlay is, right? We've got Android sure. Auto, right? Android Auto and CarPlay are kind of the equivalents. Um, uh, I have CarPlay in my car. It's wired CarPlay uh, because it's a 2021 uh, and they, they could have done wireless CarPlay in 2021, but of course, car manufacturers are so behind. So anyway, it's <laughs> wired CarPlay. Worked great with my iPhone 13 Pro. My wife's iPhone 12 CarPlay works great. Um, doesn't work with this phone. Not at all. And if you and anybody out there thinking, did you try? The answer is yes. <laughs> I tried like six different combinations of cables. Right. Restarting the phone, restarting the car, reconfiguring everything connected to Bluetooth, not connected to Bluetooth, you name it, every configuration you could possibly imagine, the car simply refuses to recognize the phone. Not only that, but there's a thing in the car where it it needs, needs to recognize something is there for charging. Like it said, like, it, like you can't just plug, like if I plugged in a USB stick or something, it wouldn't try to charge it, right? Okay, and yeah. Get like a little signal saying, yes, charge me, send me power. Um, I could see after a car restart, I could see it do two quick tests to say, do you want charging? And I could see it hit my phone with a charge and a charge and then stop. So I know it's like hitting it and the phone is saying, oh, I don't know, I, I don't speak that language. And it's annoying. And it's like, I suddenly can't use CarPlay. Which does that, I could, does yeah. that mean you can't charge your phone in your car? I can't charge my phone in the car unless I use a, like a cigarette lighter charger, which I did buy one. Wow. Um, and I and I put that in. It's handy anyway because this the iPhone 15 Pro does rapid charging. Sure. So the charger I bought for like $10 is 45 watts. Right. Yeah. So I can I can charge the phone up way faster than through the port on the right. car, which is giving like five or ten watts or whatever. Right, right. Um, so it's handy for that, especially since a lot of times I'm the passenger in the car. And I may want to just charge up and let the driver have the, uh, you know, controls. Um, I did. So this, this, I'm not just complaining about this though. I'm also uh, doing a kind of, this, this is kind of cool thing uh, because it occurred to me 
that, well, it sucks that my car doesn't have wire wireless airplay. And then I immediately thought, oh, I wonder if I can upgrade my car, like upgrade the system. Oh, and I huh? found out there is a plug-in module, which instantly I dismissed because it was $750. <laughs> but I should, I made a mistake. And for a day, I just dismissed it there. And I didn't look for a further solution because I went back to it thinking, come on, there's only that. Um, I found that there's an entire market of car wireless CarPlay and Android Auto um devices that you can plug into your car and there's people out there saying of course i have one or i know about this i didn't um so these devices are all anywhere from 50 to 150 dollars and they're little usb devices they look like they're little boxes about the size of a phone some of them are smaller and about the size of a usb stick and you plug them into your car and they basically create a wireless point for your phone to do either Android Auto or CarPlay. And then they tell the car that it's wired, right? They're right. sending the yep. wired signal yep. to the car. So all you need is wired Android Auto or CarPlay, and then you can use this to basically make it wireless. Um, I had no idea that existed. Um, else I would have bought it a long time ago <laughs> because that's nice and convenient. So I actually ordered one, and unfortunately, the 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 one I wanted didn't have like overnight shipping. So it's going to come later in the week. So I'll report next week of how it works. Cool. But hopefully, that solves the problem. I'm thinking that with wired CarPlay being the old fashioned method, that somewhere along the way, uh, the there's a bug in uh, in iOS 17 and the iPhone 15 Pro hardware that Apple may or may not fix for wired CarPlay, but right. probably wireless works because that would have been what they would have tested. So I'm hoping, hoping that that's the case and I'll get CarPlay back. And if I do, it'll be super cool because if I get it back, then I can also upgrade the cup holder thing from a like a, like a thing where you place your phone in to uh -huh. a MagSafe one. And with MagSafe, I can have that plugged into power. Matter of fact, I can plug it into the, the, the new power thing I bought with right, the right. higher wattage. And then all I would need to do basically is snap my phone to it, no wires required, right. and I'd have both power and CarPlay. So hopefully that it'll be a happy ending to the whole thing, and it'll be better than ever before, whereas right now it's non-existent. I can do Bluetooth to play music, right? but it, that's annoying because you don't have any, uh, you don't have the control over other types of apps. And you don't have car directions or any of that stuff on the car's screen. You've right. got it on your iPhone screen, which is harder to look at and and also eh, interesting. We'll so, yeah, so interesting disappointments. On yeah, I should be happy that I spent uh, more than a thousand dollars. I should be like, this is great. You should be I, delighted. I'm delighted at this product, and instead, I'm like, uh, no. So, question: If mm -hmm. the little Bluetooth or uh, the uh, uh, wireless CarPlay thing shows up. And it fails. Oh, don't don't say that. Because there are like seven, 17 of them or something or 70 of them I could try. <laughs> so then the thing is, do I buy another one? Um, probably, right? I probably I return it. What I'm really asking is where's the tipping point where you return the phone? Uh, I'm not 100% sure there is one. Okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, I could, so, cause I have 14 days, right. And I, and I, and I did something smart as I, I leapfrogged the phones, uh, thanks to a listener of our show, because I pointed out that I don't want to get rid of my iPhone 13 pro. Cause I want it to do tutorials with, right. And they will replace my iPhone 11 pro that I was doing tutorials with. And it's a shame that there, it's not worth anything in a trade-in. And a listener pointed out in a comment that it, it might be worth $300. So I was like, interesting. So I checked the box. Yes, I have a trade-in. And then I thought enough, just as I ran out to get the iPhone, I stuck the iPhone 11 Pro totally reset in my pocket. I brought it there. And the guy was able to say, oh, you have it with you? Oh, let me take a look at it. Just, yep, this is in great condition and credited me $300. Wow. Yeah. On th what the phone that was going to go into a drawer, right. never to be heard from again. Right. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. So I still have the iPhone 13 Pro. So I could technically return this one. 
Right. And uh, the replacement would simply be just to go back to my iPhone 13 Pro. It right. was fine. Right. Um, but hopefully it won't come to that. I mean, I could still do, I could, I could still get directions and have them on my phone and I could still do Bluetooth to play the music over the car speakers, mm. you know, when it shows what's playing on the screen and everything. So, it, you know, it will, it, it'll work. I could live with it. Um, so it's basically still better than what I had like more, two years ago. So anyway, it's, you're, you're, what you're living with yeah. is pretty much how I live. Uh, yeah, because I don't have Android Auto in either of my cars, in any of our cars. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I have is a mount for my phone that makes it. You know, actually, let's see, in one car, yeah, in both cars, actually, it sits to the left of the of the car's screen. Um, but it's what I use to control my music. It's where I run my maps. Usually, it's it's all that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, you know, it's connected via Bluetooth. You know, as as you are. But uh -huh. uh, I don't have the the fancy uh, CarPlay or Android Auto kind of features. I just have my phone within arm's reach. Oh, uh, it's nice when you when you do get an Android, uh, the Android version of CarPlay, right, uh, right for your right. phones. I mean, it's because you have all all these different apps that then work with it. Yes, you know, so you can. It's not just like playing audio or doing the directions. You know, there's like uh, all sorts of things that you could bring up, like Audible you know, as an app and it comes so up. And what I do have is a, is an app on the phone mm -hmm. um, that basically uh, when the app is running, it's providing its own uh, uh, driving friendly user interface. Mm -hmm. Basically, instead of all the tiny icons, you end up with like six big buttons and a couple of pages. So you can swipe to a couple of pages. So yeah, that's, that's when I'm, you know, especially when I'm doing long haul driving, I, um, I fire that up and it makes it very easy for me to, you know, hit my podcast app, hit Google maps, um, hit audible, as you point out. Um, I actually have um, a little GPS utility that among other things, you know, shows me how I'm, how fast I'm really going my latitude mm. and longitude and my altitude, which is kind of interesting. Cause just less this last oh, yeah, week, yeah. this last weekend, um, I drove to uh, uh, Salt Lake city and back and uh, it was kind of interesting to see, okay, yeah, you know, we're, we're leaving Seattle and we're at like 3,000 feet over, over a pass here. And then, you know, somewhere in the middle of Idaho, yeah, you're at 3,000 feet just on the flatlands. So it's, it's, it's been interesting to just sort of see where things are. But anyway, so it makes all that kind of stuff. Again, it is absolutely a workaround for not having Android Auto. I get it. But, uh, but there are ways to make it a little bit easier to use and a little bit safer to use, which is the big deal with, uh, um, you know, with this kind of an app. So you're oh, not sure poking at these little tiny icons on your screen. Sure. No, it's great. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly. I have seen Android Air in uh, in uh, use, but I can't remember exactly like how it works. But I mean, there's just some nice features that does. And a lot of them are geared towards making things safer as you drive, being able to use yes. things in yes. a safer way. Um, but also, in a, it also is more convenient, and it's it's kind of nice. So hopefully, I'll have a nice report next week, and I'll say that things are better than ever because of this fifty dollar. Yes. <laughs> or I think it was sixty bucks. I think it was one. It was one of the more expensive ones that happened. I happened to catch it on sale, uh, <laughs> at, at like an Amazon one day sale or something. Right. Or at least it was a one day sale for me. You know, Amazon does that stuff. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I look forward to hearing hearing the results. And hopefully you will uh, move from being disgruntled to delighted with your new phone. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I have yet to do the main, the main thing, which is the camera, really play with it. I did take Jack on a hike and did use the telephoto lens in an unnecessary way. <laughs> in other words, I backed up from something yes, yes. further away <laughs> and then took a telephoto picture of it just to, you know, so, cause I wanted to use it. I mean, and it looks fine. You know, I like, I didn't really challenge it. You know, I just took a picture of trees and a bridge, you know, so I really need to uh, put myself in more situations here in the fall um, to get these cameras some good use. And uh, I, I do look forward to that report because uh, I have heard rumblings of disappointment with oh. with the camera in the 15 and i don't know if it's 
the camera itself or the lack of improvement over the previous? You know, people were expecting a greater oh, sure. improvement of some sort. Oh, no, there's not um, much improvement. Uh, it, the model I've got is the only one that has the significant improvement. Mm -hmm. The model I got is the one with that little kind of prism periscope. Yeah, the periscope thing. Yeah. Uh, one, it, any all the other models pretty much have the same cameras, slight improvements, and some slight improvements on the hardware uh, or the processing you, you know with the faster processors mm -hmm. um so you know there's uh some it, and, and people of course are going on about like uh, i read an interesting bit about how you know there are android phones that have 10x um telephoto lens mm -hmm. in them but the the iphone 15 pro max has a 5x mm -hmm. And one of the reasons Apple gives for it, the one that th this article said is actually the valid reason, is um, the aperture. Uh, their 5X has a good aperture for a zoom lens, whereas the, the 10X that people talk about has actually a pretty bad one. Interesting. So you, get, you don't get the 10X, but at 5X, you get a much better photo. Right from this camera than you do on the on the Android phone that's got the 10x. So I mean I guess that's that's worth something, um, but I have yet to spot something that you know far away that I would need to get a good picture of, <laughs> you know, to help me determine whether or not it was worth the extra price. But the camera just seemed to work fine and all that. I need to get some night photos in too because uh, right. see how that right. looks and all. I, yeah. I'm, I will say that, you know, I've, I've still got my Google Pixel 6 Pro, I think it is. And um, I continue to be very happy with its camera. It's great for snapshots is what it boils mm -hmm. down to. I'm not trying to replicate, uh, you know, higher end photography with it, but it definitely comes in very handy. And the pictures that I take, you know, of the dogs, of course, mm -hmm. uh, turn out very, very nice and, and turn out to, you know, things that I'm actually very, very happy to uh, to share as needed. Um, I did, when I did go down to San, to uh, Salt Lake City, which was, of course, for a dog show, mm -hmm. uh, The uh, I did take along my little Sony ZV-1 as my still and video camera uh, so that I had something a little bit better than the Pixel. And it definitely, you know, a real, a quote-unquote real camera uh, still does a better job, but uh, definitely the distance is um, decreasing. It's mm -hmm. funny, I saw a uh, sales chart that the sales of digital cameras have dropped dramatically in like yeah. the last five to 10 years. And mm. clearly it's because, you know, a lot of people didn't need digital cameras once they got a built-in camera to their, with their phone. Uh, I think there's still a market for folks like us who like to play a little bit more. I don't want to call it professionally because we're, you know, that's, I'm, I don't claim to be that, but true amateur photographers are still interested in using a quote unquote real camera. Uh, but anyway, that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, two things that I've been watching on TV for the past couple of weeks, um, I wanted to mention. One was Sex Education on Netflix. Uh, that's the one that stars uh, Gillian Anderson and, um, um, oh, his name will come to me. He played Ender in Ender's Game. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, it's finished. They just completed their fourth season that just released a few weeks ago, and we binged the whole thing. Um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a fun, fun show. Uh, certainly, uh, if you are adverse to seeing representations of sexual situations, uh, this may not be the show for you, but it is um, It is entertaining, and we enjoyed it. The other one that I'm watching, and I think this one's probably a little bit more controversial, of all things, at least among the nerds, is Wheel of Time. Uh, on Amazon. It's in its second season. Uh, it's not mm. quite, second season isn't quite done. They're doing the once a week release. And uh, again, I am thoroughly enjoying it, but uh, it is definitely one of those shows with a lot of characters, a lengthy plot, uh, a lot of intertwining storylines. Basically, it requires you pay attention. And I know that <laughs> That's not fashionable in this day and age, but uh, again, it's beautiful. Uh, they the the kinds of things they've been doing with it have been very interesting, and I'm looking forward to uh, not just finishing up this season, but uh, hopefully, I believe there's a season three in the works as well. Cool. Um, for me, I just finished reading a, a nonfiction book, uh, history book. I like reading those. Uh, not about the Roman Empire. 
What is it with the Roman Empire? I don't understand. I don't understand that meme. I really don't. <laughs> I, I I get. I like it. I mean, I I think one of the things about it is, um, it's not necessarily the Roman Empire. I just think the ideas that a lot of women in the United States, at least, and our microculture here, um, just didn't have any clue that men think about history a lot. <laughs> like it just didn't. Like for some reason. And um, and the Roman Empire was just kind of a funny, like, you know, oh, do you think about history isn't funny, but do you think about the Roman Empire? And a surprising number of men say, yeah, I think about the Roman Empire every day. And then women are like, what? what? You do? <laughs> you know, and just no idea. The kind of thing, a Venus and Mars kind of deal. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a history buff, definitely. But for some reason, I've never been into the Roman Empire. Right. So my answer was, it's like, no, I don't actually. But on a regular basis during like walking the dog, I'll go through like a chronological history of battles during World War II or like the <laughs> use of air power in the 20th century or some something that's basically equally as geeky and historical. Okay. Um, so, but for me, for the last couple of weeks, it's been more going through the voyage of Magellan because I've been reading a book uh, called Over the Edge of the World, Magellan's Terrifying Circumnavigation of the Globe. Um, and it's just something I'd never really learned much about. You learn like, it's like a paragraph you learn in yes. high school. And yet we have a really good history of it because the 18 people that survived it um, were extensively interviewed by scribes and such at the time with cool. their stories. One of the people that kept a detailed journal was one of the people that survived the mm -hmm. entire thing. Plus they made contacts with lots of civilizations like in the Philippines that also kept really good records of what happened when these Spaniards showed up, right. you know, suddenly uh, from the wrong side of the Pacific, <laughs> you know? Um, so there was, a, there's actually quite a bit of information to draw on that our history books just skip over, which is amazing considering it took place in 1520. I mean, that's amazing, but you know, they, they did accomplish quite a feat. They were of course, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, not, they were bastards. I mean, because, you know, slaves and right. uh, racism, right, right. all that. I mean, it was all that stuff, but that aside, I mean, they did circumnavigate the globe and after reading this book, it's clear that that should not have been possible at that time. It was, they barely made it and they got lucky. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't until like 60 years later that it was done again. Right. You know, think about, you know, Columbus discovered, or, you know, sailed over to the Caribbean and then immediately it was replicated over and over again in years right afterwards. But this wasn't replicated for like 60 years. Um, it's a fascinating story. Lots of science in there because there's lots of stuff that they discovered that they just didn't know about. You know, we didn't know about uh, until they did this, and even just the they didn't even know how long the Pacific was. Nobody ever crossed it, and all the globes were wrong. They all showed the <laughs> Pacific being about the same width as the Atlantic, right? You know, and so they were like, "Let's go!" And then sixty days later, they're like, "Where the heck is everything?" Um, so there was that, and then you know the, the 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 winds and the weather and lots of fascinating discoveries and things, even linguistics, right? Because they had such a long journey, and they discovered peoples in South America that they didn't, the language wasn't known, and they of course took some of them prisoner, slave, what you know, whatever, on the ship, and had lots of time. So there was one guy in particular. Actually, two guys that started developing dictionaries, linguistic dictionaries, which just wasn't done then. They invented it, kind of. Interesting. Like on the journey, and then the most fascinating scientific uh, thing I thought was after completing this, the one ship that survived with the group of like a little over twenty men at that point that got to the islands off the coast of Europe, got there, and the guy keeping the best journal thought, "Hey, it's been three years. I wonder if I got." the date right because maybe i missed a day maybe there was a bad oh. storm and i never wrote an entry maybe i got the date so what day is today and they said it's wednesday and he said oh i messed up because it's thursday and then it dawned on him yes they went around <laughs> the world yes nobody had ever thought about that before because right. nobody had ever did it people traveled far but then they came back they never went around right so the whole idea of 
going around and every, the date changing by a day. Right. When you didn't travel through time or do anything mysterious, it was just fascinating to them. Yep. Yep. And and we take and then and now of course it's not fascinating anymore because every six year old at in elementary school sees like that red line in the middle Pacific Ocean on the yes. map <laughs> and says why is there a line there and it's oh it's the date line because you cross here and it changes a day you understand when you're older and you do and then you don't and then even if you've never sailed or even flown you understand there's a date line and then my question my question was always on a different date my question was always why isn't it straight yeah, well yeah, exactly. Yeah. The politics you'll under you won't understand that, that when you're older but yeah yes. nobody understands that really <laughs> but it was fascinating to me that it's like well of course until that's one of those things like until it was done right why would anybody have thought about that you know and actually what's impressive though is that yeah. over the course of three years yeah. ultimately he did keep the date right yeah yeah that, yeah it was very impressive. i mean a lot of the well, it was impressive that this this ship made it. I mean, especially you learn about how these ships were put together, mm -hmm. and it's like that a ship was able to do this. Like, I mean, uh, out of five, three of them uh, basically, were, you know, just didn't make it. One of them went back, and oh, this right. one ship limped in to you know Spain, um, having gone around the world, and you, you sort of realize through the the book that it was like. Boy, that was, I mean, yeah, 260 people down to 18 at the end. I'm surprised. Are you really surprised it wasn't down to zero? It's like, how did they, how did those people actually survive it? How did that ship actually limp back in there after going around the world the way they built ships in 1520? Right. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So cool, cool book. All righty. Well, pointing at our own stuff this week, I am going to point everybody at... An article I wrote um, some time ago, actually, that I updated recently, what is and is not spam? Askleo.com slash 2505. Um, you might think it's obvious, um, but different people have different definitions. Mm -hmm. And I lay out mine, which is, of course, a little on the hardcore side, but uh, it's, it's not always obvious just exactly. I mean, a lot of spam clearly is obvious, but when you talk about the fringes, um, what is spam and what is not spam is subject to some debate. So we cover that in what is and is not spam. Yep. Cool. And I, of course, need to uh, promote my course, which is out now, uh, my Sonoma course at courses.macmost.com. Um, I do a sale like on, to launch the course. It's 40% off. Um, so we'll include in the show notes here, like a coupon code um, that you could use when checking out, get 40% off the course. And the, the coupon will be good until like late next week. Cool. That's your Sonoma course, right? Yeah, Sonoma course. It's 55 uh, video lessons. Yikes. Comes in at over seven hours um of, of instruction uh and uh yeah it's a it's a beast so cool yep well, i think that should wrap us up for another week uh -huh. the show notes are over at tehpodcast.com slash teh204 if you've got a comment or a question you can leave it there as gary pointed out we clearly read them and yeah. learn from them even and appreciate them <laughs> appreciate them absolutely <laughs> Um, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.